I love to walk. Walking is a spiritual journey and a reflection of living. Each of us must determine which path to take and how far to walk. We must find our own way. What is right for one may not be for another. There is no single right way to deal with late stage cancer, to live life or approach death, or to walk an old mission trail. Hello and welcome to episode 520 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a wellness episode, uh, health, MS, whatever type episode for Friday. That was a quote by Eddie Littlefield Sunbee from the Mission Walker. I was given three months to live, which I'm assuming is her book. But we are going to go through a few things, starting off with some more, a little more Farmer's Almanac for February stuff. This is the month to plan your garden. Shop early for seeds from catalogs and garden stores. The early shopper gets the best choice of seed varieties. Start onions from seed now. They'll be ready for setting out in April. Onions from seed are generally firmer and longer lasting than from sets. Start parsley indoors now. You may think you have successfully Wintered over the plant, but it is a biennial and will soon go to seed, which I can't stand parsley, so I won't be planting that myself. And a little shit groundhog, of course, both in Wisconsin and the Punxsutawney Phil one, both seen their shadow, so we're going to have six more weeks of winter. Of course, today we're getting a nice little blizzard. So, Groundhog Day meaning history and folklore. Will the groundhog see his shadow this year? What is the meaning of Groundhog Day? And why do we celebrate weather predictions from a plump marmot? When is Groundhog Day? It always falls on February 2nd. This traditionally marks the midpoint between the winter solstice and spring equinox. Connections to the weather around this time, farmers needed to determine when to plant their crops. So they tried to forecast whether there would be an early spring or a lingering winter. Sunshine on candle moss was said on February 2nd was said to indicate the return of winter. Similarly, when the winds in the east on Candlemas Day, there it will stick till the 2nd of May. <laughs> it was not held as a good omen if the day itself was bright and sunny, for that betokened snow and frost to continue to the hiring of the laborers six weeks later on Lady Day. If it was cloudy and dark, warmth and rain would thaw out the fields and have them ready for planting. Our Groundhog Day is a remote survivor 
of that belief. According to legend, if a groundhog sees its shadow on this day, there will be six more weeks of winter. If it doesn't, then spring is right around the corner. For centuries, farmers in France and England looked to a bear. In Germany, they kept their eye on a badger. I would think that would be opposite. I would think Germany would have used a bear. France and England would have used a smaller animal. In the 1800s, German immigrants to Pennsylvania brought the tradition with them, finding no badgers there. They adopted the groundhog to fit the lore. Pennsylvania's Punxsutawney Phil has announced spring's arrival since 1887. Other groundhogs have also have carried on the tradition, including, including Ontario's Warrierton Willie. Though we recognize that animal behavior isn't the only way to judge planting dates, the tradition continues, often with a wink and a smile. It's fun, so why not do it? Gives them another reason, another day and reason to party every year. So will the groundhog see his shadow? It depends on whether February 2nd is sunny or cloudy. Basically wake up on February 2nd. Look what it's like outside. And if it's sunny, you're going to have more winter. If it's cloudy, you're not. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I did my... Latest COVID vaccination. Figured what the heck. Do one more. Just because all the changes and everything. Get the updates and all that stuff. Uh, Spike of X. COVID-19 vaccine and MRANA. Is a FDA approved COVID-19 vaccine. Made by Moderna TX Incorporated. It is approved as a two-dose series for prevention of COVID-19 in individuals 18 years of age and older. It is also authorized under EUA to provide a two-dose primary series to individuals 12 through 17 years of age and a third primary series dose to individuals 12 years of age and older who have been determined to have certain kinds of immunocompromise. I didn't get told anything about a second or third dose or anything like that. I assume this is just a single dose unit that we'll have to see. The Moderna COVID-19 vaccine has received EUA from FDA to provide a total two-dose primary Series to individuals six years of age and older, and a third primary series dose to individuals six years of age and older with certain kinds of immunocompromise. The Moderna COVID-19 vaccine by Valiant has received EUA from FDA to provide either a single booster dose to individuals six years of age and older at at least two months after completion of primary vaccination with any authorized or approved monovalent COVID-19 vaccine or a single booster dose to individuals six years of age and older at least two months after receipt 
of the most recent booster dose with any authorized or approved monovalent COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Let's see, this just goes over the basics. Spike of X. COVID-19 vaccine, mRNA, and Moderna COVID-19 vaccine can be used interchangeably. Moderna COVID-19 vaccine is bivalent, is made in the same way as mono as spike of x and moderna covid19 vaccine but it also contains an omicron component to help prevent covid19 caused by the omicron variant of sars cov-2 yeah. You should not get it if you had a severe allergic reaction after a previous dose of Spikevax or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine or had a severe allergic reaction to any ingredient in these vaccines. The ingredients in this Spikevax COVID-19 vaccine, mRNA, Moderna COVID-19 vaccine, and Moderna COVID-19 vaccine bivalent contains the following ingredients. Messenger ribonucleic acid, mRNA, lipids, SM102, polyethylene glycol, PEG2000, dimisristol, glycerol, DMG, cholesterol, and 1,2-dystyrol, Glycero-3-phosphocholine, DSPC, tromoethamine, tromoethamine hydrochloride, acetic acid, sodium acetic trihydrate, and sucrose. A lot of shit that I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it all up, I guess. I want to know what the actual components are of all that. Uh, Millions of individuals 18 years of age and older have received the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine under EUA since 2020. The signs of a severe allergic reaction can include difficulty breathing, swelling of your face and throat, a fast heartbeat, a bad rash all over your body, dizziness and weakness. I didn't feel the needle. I didn't feel nothing after it. I didn't have any issues. So you should seek medical attention right away if you got chest pain, shortness of breath, feelings of having a fast beating, fluttering, or pounding heart. Injection site reactions can be pain, tenderness, and swelling of the lymph nodes in the same arm of the injection, swelling, hardness, and redness, general side effects of fatigue, headache, 
muscle pain, joint pain, chills, nausea, vomiting, fever, and rash. And I was told a good thing to do is drink lots of water the day of and even the day before and after. And whichever arm you're going to get it done on, do some arm flexes and spins and Rotate your arm, just do the 360 stretches and stuff like that. Just work that muscle area to loosen everything up so you don't have to worry about having any side effects of pain. Uh, some side effects that were reported during post-authorization include severe allergic reactions, myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, pericarditis, is inflammation of the lining outside the heart, fainting in association with injection of the vaccine. And of course, go over everything with your doctor, have your injection by your doctor or a pharmacist so they can watch you for a little bit afterwards and see if there's any problems with it. Other than that, it's all basic information for the rest of the stuff. Looks like. So, yeah. But, yeah, I'm up to date on that crap now. That'll probably be the last one I'll get. Unless some other shit changes again or whatever, then maybe I'll get another thing. But for now, that's good for me. Let's talk about dysphagia. For many people with neurological conditions, a swallowing disorder called dysphagia can make everyday pleasures like sipping wine or biting into pepperoni pizza challenging. Swallowing is one of the most complicated things the human body does. A person who cannot swallow properly could end up dehydrated or malnourished. An estimated one in six adults in the United States has some difficulty swallowing, according to a survey conducted by Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Uh, people with dysphagia may eat and drink less, which can lead to dehydration, weight loss, and malnutrition. It can cause aspiration pneumonia or even a fatal airway blockage. If food gets into their airways and lungs instead of their stomachs, it can cause those issues. Uh, swallowing occurs in three phases. The first is oral. The jaw, teeth, and saliva work together to mash up and moisturize solids. And the tongue positions food and drink towards the throat. The second phase is when the tongue propels food and drink towards the back of the throat, activating the swallowing response that carries them into the esophagus. At the same time, the voice box closes to keep food out of the airways and lungs. In the third, or esophageal phase, food and drink move through the esophagus into the stomach. A condition that damages the, brain, damages the brain or spinal cord can interfere, like multiple sclerosis, can interfere with any part of the swallowing process. After a stroke, for example, 
The tongue may not push food to the back of the throat efficiently, which could delay the swallowing reflex for several seconds. For those with Parkinson's disease or motor, motor neuron disorders, food may get stuck in little pockets off the esophagus. Signs of dysphagia include drooling, food falling out of the mouth or nose, slower chewing or swallowing, a feeling that food is sticking in the mouth or that the neck is full, pain when swallowing, coughing and throat clearing after swallowing, the voice sounding wet or gurgly during eating or drinking, and trouble coordinating eating and breathing. I've had problems in most, if not all those realms, <clears throat> not ongoing, just randomly. And they annoy the hell out of me. And I can see that just being insanely uncomfortable if you're dealing with that every time you try and eat or drink something. Swallowing disorders are diagnosed through physical examinations and swallowing tests admitted Ministered by speech-language pathologist. So talk to your doctor about this. And they can get you set up with whatever you need to if you got to get tested. For the various degrees of dysphagia severity, they have an International Dysphagia Diet Standardization Initiative, which explains which foods are easier to swallow than others. Foods to eat, vegetables that are boiled or steamed until soft, then finely chopped or mashed. Small pieces of fish or meat cooked until soft and topped with a thick, smooth gravy. Soft cooked, moist cereal without excess liquid, minced or pureed, pureed fruit, and smooth pureed foods that aren't sticky or lumpy. Foods to avoid are raw vegetables and apples, fibrous fruit like pineapple and the white part of citrus fruit, steak, dried fruit, food with a skin such as corn, grapes, and peas, shredded wheat, chicken with the skin on, and hard, dry, chewy, crunchy, or crumbly foods. So yeah, that's pretty much common sense. I mean... Eat stuff that's soft. Stay away from stuff that's hard. <clears throat> See how you can benefit from different things. And yeah, if you have to do it, you're going to have to process and blend up your food. Just so you can eat it easier. Uh, let's see. Some ways to stay healthier in your old age. Keep moving, of course. And if you stop, if you're sedentary, and you're not getting up, you're not getting some activity, everything is going to stop working. It's just going to seize up and get worse as time goes on. Engage your mind. Anything that can keep your mind active, whether it's reading, playing games, doing crossword puzzles, or something else that requires some type of focus, 
I know older people aren't into video games. A few are, but most aren't. They were born before the games became popularized, but now, after all those years of them, our parents yelling at us, telling they're going to rot our brains with our video games, we shouldn't, shouldn't play them, get off them. Now we're being told that they're good for us. It's like, we knew when we were younger, we were keeping our minds active. <clears throat> What's the difference if you sit in school and someone teaches you a bunch of social studies, math problems, English that you don't even want to listen to or has no interest to you, or you play a game that has your total mind in focus and active and you would think that would be more engaging than sitting in a classroom bored out of your mind not listening to the speeches that are going on and stuff eat more whole foods of course if you have a heart healthy diet you're gonna live longer and happier and healthier be a social butterfly. Yeah, social activity is great for the mind. Keeps you going. Keeps you from having your mind just shut down and quit working on you. Get plenty of restful sleep. But the key is to get good sleep. Not this sleep that's interrupted constantly. Uh, and avoid stimulating activities such as exercise or using the internet right before bed because it'll keep your mind too active when you're trying to sleep alcohol consumption can mess with your mind if you drink them before you go to bed find ways to reduce stress stress and anxiety are bad for you can always cause problems with anything so Definitely look into those things. They'll benefit you in your older age. Benefit you any time in your life, actually. And it's good to keep all your, all those parts of your body active and healthy and going continuously. Not that they're going to shut down on you and just give up on you. Because you're not using them. If your body figures it, they don't want to use me. Yeah, I'll quit working. <laughs> MS tremors. Tremors are often characterized by a shaky voice, a rhythmic shaking effect affecting the arms and hands, and less commonly the legs, head, and torso. My legs have been off the chart for the past week. Uh, my restless leg syndrome has been pretty much stopped at night from my animals because the past couple animals I had lay against my legs and kind of pin them so I can't get them in the restless leg syndrome active mode which is nice but I feel confined and trapped and my legs go off anyways and then I I have to get up, otherwise I'm going to have to kick the animal out of my way. Uh, difficulty holding or controlling a pen, spoon, or other tool or utensil are all related to MS tremors. 
hand tremors can be classified as an intention tremor, dystonic tremor, or an essential tremor. Hand tremors caused by MS may be mistaken for Parkinson disease tremors. A person with MS may experience a hand tremor when reaching for something. Hand tremors can occur at rest as well. I pretty much I have tremors throughout my whole body at random points. So they can happen any given time. It does. I don't have to be physically doing something to set them off. Uh, tremors from S may look like shaking, trembling, jerking, or twitching. An intention tremor will cause unwanted movement in the affected limb when a person is using it, such as reaching for a cup. A postural tremor will cause unwanted movement when a person is maintaining maintaining a certain posture, such as when sitting. For people with MS, tremors are usually caused by brain lesions, specifically in the cerebellum and damaged areas called plaques along the nerve pathways that are involved with coordinated movement. The same plaques sometimes also result in other symptoms such as dysphagia, which we just talked about with difficulty swallowing, or dysarthria, which is difficulty speaking, which I'll have those moments where um, my mind's overly active and my speech just gets all shaky, like I'm almost sounds like I'm crying or <laughs> about to cry or <laughs> something like that. Just goofy, very goofy sounding. A person with MS may experience an increase in the intensity of their tremors after vigorous ex- exercise. However, muscle tremors after exercising are common for people who do not have MS. Muscle shaking after exercise can occur due to muscle fatigue, low blood sugar, or dehydration. A person with MS may experience more tremors at night. That's when I have the majority of them, but I do have them throughout the day, so... If they have a resting tremor, this type of tremor occurs most often when a person is sitting still versus moving. However, resting tremors are more common in Parkinson's disease than MS. It's really weird at times when you're just sitting or laying there and all of a sudden you'll have this one part of your knee or your leg or your arm and it's just going off and you just can't stop it and you can just sit there and watch the muscle tremor away resting tremor occurs when they're shaking even when a body part is at rest excuse me for example a person may be sitting comfortably with their hands resting in their lap but their fingers shake an action tremor occurs when a muscle is being voluntarily moved. For example, a person may be reaching to pick up a glass of water and their hand starts to shake. A bunch of subclassifications of acting tremors include intention tremor. These are associated with physical movement. There is no shaking when a person is at rest, but a tremor develops and becomes more pronounced as they attempt to make a precise movement such as shifting a foot or hand to a specific spot. 
Posturals, tremors, these are associated with moving or supporting against gravity, such as a tremor that develops when standing or sitting, but not while lying down. And nystigmus, these tremors are associated with jumpy eye movement. Uh, treating tremors, you can do lifestyle changes like avoiding stress, getting enough rest, avoiding caffeinated drinks. You can do physical and occupational therapy where they'll teach you exercises for coordination and balance. Recommend stabilizing braces in certain cases, demonstrating how to use weights to compensate for tremors teaching new ways of performing daily activities that MS tremors might make challenging. There's medications, which we'll get back, get to right after this, since I am running out of time and I'll do a second part to this episode. So we'll be right back with more tremor and more other stuff right after this. Okay. Let's get back to some more tremor information. Uh, medication to help with tremors, they got beta blockers such as propranol, propanolol, which is Inderol. They have anti-anxiety medications such as Busperone, which is Buspar or Clonazepam, which is Clonopin. Anti-convulsive drugs such as Primadone, which is Mycelene. Anti-tuberculosis medications such as Isoniazid, antihistamines such as hydroxine, hydrochloride, which is Atarax, and hydroxazine pomoate, which is Vistaril, and diuretics such as acetazolamide, which is Diamox. There's natural remedies like cannabis sativa which is THC, marijuana, ginkgo biloba, saffron extract, which I really want to try some saffron extract. I have yet to find that. I got to look that up on Amazon. St. John's wort, curcumin, ginger, evening primrose oil, valerian, kava, and green tea. I tried to kava it. I was bummed. Because it has other benefits for me. And I just could not get into it. Did not like the taste of it. There's also Botox and surgery. That are options. Uh, Surgery like thalamotomy is a surgery that destroys a part of the thalamus. A structure in the brain that helps control movements. There's deep brain stimulation implants where they implant a tiny electrode into the thalamus. The electrode is then attached to a wire that connects to a device under the skin in the chest area. The device delivers small electrical impulses in the thalamus. I just can't get... I'm not looking forward to it, because I know at least three of my symptoms I have, I'm going to eventually have to get nerves cut and destroyed and killed off and possibly have one or two types of 
auto-release devices or electrocution-style devices implanted inside my body for certain issues I have that are going to get way worse in the future, and I won't be able to stand them anymore and have to have to go that route, but not looking forward to it, but go over it with your doctor, talk to them, see what options they can bring up for you, and they can look at where you're at, they can find out what level you're dealing with, and see if there's simpler, easier ways to deal with it instead of going drastic right off the bat. Chronic fatigue. Talk about this a lot, but it is one of the most annoying symptoms of MS is trying to get able to move around and get going and just the body fighting against you severely. Alright, chronic fatigue system, CFS, sometimes called myalgic encephalomyelitis, is often misunderstood by people who don't live with it. The reality is, though, that CFS is so much more than just tired. It's a disease that impacts multiple parts of your body and causes exhaustion so debilitating that many with CFS are completely bedbound for varying lengths of varying lengths of time. CFS also causes muscle and joint pain, cognitive issues, and makes you sensitive to external stimulation, like like light, sound, and touch. The hallmark of the condition is post-exertional or exertional malaise, which is when someone physically crashes for hours, days, or even months after overexerting their body. It's just, it's so hard to explain. If you don't have it, you don't understand it, and you think that normal fatigue is what we're talking about, and it's not. I'm seriously telling you, when you have these moments, it's physically, you are physically incapable of movement to a certain amount. It's it's so hard to explain. It's like you're like you're completely weighted down with pain and pressure and just oh it just it sucks <laughs> uh, this person says they manage to hold it together in our lawyer's office but once outside they immediately immediately break down into tears. Uh, They're used to responses such as, I get tired too. I wish I could nap all the time like you do. It still hurts when I hear them though. But it's like, you really want to lay around in bed not be able to do anything after you've already got a night, full night's sleep. And you really want to do that all day. That's enjoyable to you. You think it's a benefit to us. 
to not be able to get out and do things at certain points and just, oh, I wish I could lay around with you. No, I wish I could get a full-time fucking paycheck like you, asshole. (laughs) I wish I could be back to my days. And I worked on average of two to three jobs at all times up until I woke up paralyzed one day. It's like, I fought through my MS for many years, not knowing what it was, telling people conditions and issues I was having, but doctors weren't answering what I was telling them and giving me anything that was relevant to what I was telling them. So for many years, I just fought through everything to the point that my body just said, yeah, screw you, we're finally done. And at the moment, I was running a Mayflower moving company, moving an average of a three to four bedroom house every day, plus one or two other jobs of moving maybe a single apartment person to a new place or moving something into storage or helping a out-of-state semi doing a pack, a load, or an unload. Excuse me. Suppose I should take a swig. Hey, take a swig with me. Drink whatever you got, but if it's water, it's better for you. All right. Yeah, people just do not understand it, and it's not even worth trying to explain it to them. Until they get it, then they can sit there and say, oh, man, I, I see what you were going through. But hopefully they never do get it, but yeah. It's incredibly frustrating to have a debilitating condition that's frequently brushed off as being just tired or lazy or something that could be fixed by lying down for a few minutes. It's like... This person says, Have you seen the Princess Bride movie in the classic 1987 film one of the villainous characters, Count Rugen, invented a torture device called the machine to suck the life out of a human year by year. When their CFS symptoms are bad, they feel like they've been strapped to that torture device with Count Rugen laughing as he turns the dial higher and higher. Upon being removed from the machine, the hero of the movie, Wesley, can barely move or function. Similarly, it also takes this person everything they have in order to do anything beyond lay completely still. Exactly. That's a good good way. I like, I like that, using that reference. It's a good movie that many people know. And yeah, that's a good way to, good way to explain it. <clears throat> I think I will be using that. More in the future. But, uh, let's see. Another thing they found is useful in describing their symptoms to others is the use of nature-based metaphors. For example, you may tell somebody that your nerve pain feels like a wildfire leaping from one limb to another. Or you may explain that the cognitive difficulties you're experiencing feel like you're seeing everything from underwater, 
moving slowly and just out of reach. Which, yeah, those are good, good descriptions of that also. When they were a child, they used to love books that came with 3D glasses. They were enamored by looking at the books without the glasses, seeing the ways the blue and red links overlapped partially, but not completely. Sometimes when they're experiencing severe fatigue, that is the way they envision their body as overlapping parts that aren't quite meeting, causing their experience to be a bit blurred. Their own body and mind are out of sync, which, yeah, that's another good good description of it. But, yeah, chronic fatigue's a bitch, and it doesn't pay to explain it to anybody that doesn't go through it, because they will not understand it, and they're just going to say something that's going to piss us off. <laughs> All right. We were talking about tremors earlier and THC and CBD being beneficial towards it. I personally, one of the best things I ever had was a homemade THC tincture. It had high CBDs and, but higher, it was higher in THC than CBD. And it was just a tiny little dropper bottle made by a by someone that was one of the people running a dispensary farm, basically a marijuana farm that supplies dispensaries and stuff, and they make different types of the plant and different levels, different phases, all that stuff. But they made a mixture for me one time in this tiny little tincture bottle dropper bottle and I would put three drops in my coffee in the morning and from nine in the morning till three four five in the afternoon I could feel it in my body I was more mobile during that part of the day then of course you start to crash and then you can take more whatever but I just I could not believe how well that worked for me. And sadly, the person didn't write down what they used. They weren't able to make it for me again because they're not there anymore. They're back in Wisconsin where we don't acknowledge the legalization of marijuana. We're uh, anti anti-help people state we don't like to have our people that are suffering take stuff that doesn't harm our bodies doesn't have any history of kill death killing people instead we have a medical community that wants us to put things in our body that have side effects that are damaging your that can damage your liver, your kidney, your, your lungs, your heart, whatever, cause cancers, even cause death. Those are okay. 
but when we want to take something that doesn't have all those side effects and actually does something to help our bodies, no, nah, our governments don't want us to have those. So obviously our governments don't give a shit about the people. They just care about profits and you're not going to make big profits on a plant. You're going to make bigger profits on something that's killing people supposedly because they overprice the shit and don't control it. We just had the numbers for the latest, the 2022's BP profits. It's like, what did they profit? $28 billion this year or something like that. Last year was like $16 billion. What was the difference between last year and this year? Gas prices went way up. Okay. So why are they profiting? Why are they getting higher profits every year as the economy's costs are going up on alcohol, food, gas, all the stuff they sell? Uh, Can someone explain this to me? Why are we getting price gouged if they're profiting? I don't understand. Why do you have to raise the price then? There's obviously not a shortage of anything. They're bringing in the profits margin to for them to increase their profits from one year to the other by what? Eight to $12 billion? There's something wrong with that picture. And that's not just that company. That's banks. That's, and you got governmental workers bitching that they're only making 170000 or whatever a year. It's like, really? You shouldn't even be making that. And if you're working for the government, you should work for basics and do something. And if you actually do something that benefits, then yeah, you get kickback. But if you're not doing stuff to benefit, you're just another person sitting on a seat that's just giving your opinion and no one's listening to it, then what's the whole purpose of this? It's like, we need to regulate the world. We need to get our shit together. We have the means now to put everything on the computer. Every company should show their profit margins. Any company that has to do with stuff that the human race has to have electricity, water, power, light, heat, gas, all that shit should show all the profit margin. We should not be getting price gouged for something that might happen in the future or because some country on the other side of the world is at war. Why should that affect us? And it's just, yeah, there's so many issues between that and the few years of COVID that we've gone through now and all the shipping problems with that and problems throughout the whole industry of everything that we pretty much run. I'd pick that up, but I'm not even going to bother because it's on the other side of the room. And I don't care because someone in this house has been picking up the phone two, three times 
a week without looking at who's calling and it's just a telemarketer and so now we got the damn telemarketers back to calling us every freaking day multiple times a day and so i just got rid of the old phone got a new phone and now this one's ruined again so it's like you can't get shit through people's heads to not answer stuff, not do things, and be smart about it. If you answer a telemarketer call, you're just going to get put on a list at this time of day they answer the phone, and more telemarketers are going to call. And then I learned something today. If you have a, I feel like, I don't know if it's true or not, but twice now, I played a message on my answering machine. It was a telemarketer, so I deleted it. As soon as I hit delete, my phone rings. Uh, there's something hooked up to their network that they know <laughs> when we listen. So they're like, oh, that's the time of day that they're home. Who knows? But yeah. So I got a list of some of the best CBD tinctures and oils for inflammation back in 2022. They say the best high-potency CBD oil for inflammation is aspirin, aspen green full-spectrum hemp extract. The best unflavored CBD oil for inflammation is Fab CD, CBD full-spectrum CBD oil. And you do want full-spectrum because that has like 0.3% THC in it or whatever. To help activate the CBDs. If you just have straight up CBD. You're probably not going to feel much of anything. With MS symptoms. And a lot of them. Like that one says unflavored. I've had so many different types. I've had flavored and unflavored. And some of the unflavored tastes like literal ass. Like rotten grass. And you really got to watch the companies you're getting from. I joined up with Hempworks for a while. All of a sudden, their product just started tasting nasty. And I contact them. Well, that's, it comes out of the field that way. We can't control. Yeah, you can control. There is a thing called taste testers. It's like breweries have taste testers. Wineries have taste testers. CBDs, THC, are like a fine wine, and they treat it like it every every other aspect. Treat the tasting aspect of it also. I mean, if you got a bad tasting batch, get rid of it and go with a different one. And you, know, you ruined it. I mean, I lost customers because of it, so I just dropped from the company. It's like, screw you. If you're not going to replenish me with something that's worth a shit, then I'm done. So, so you really got to watch that with some of these CBD companies. Uh, the best THC-free CBD oil for inflammation is Brown Girl Jane Balance Wellness Drops. I love how they use these marijuana references for non-marijuana items. Best CBD tincture for inflammation is RE Botanicals Hemp CBD Tincture. Hemp is just freaking nasty. Uh, best daytime CBD oil for inflammation is Wonder Wonderfield Daytime CBD. 
and best beginner friendly CBD oil for inflammation is Zion Mechan or Medicinals Spagyric Hemp Oil, 250 milligram. It's S P A G Y R I C. But yeah, there's full spectrum, there's broad spectrum, there's isolate. I personally suggest full spectrum. I've done dealt with this stuff quite a bit over the years. Tried so many different types. I've even done Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10 podcast episodes talking about different products and things and everything from flour to oils to tinctures to edibles and you can go back and listen to those and talked about a lot of CBD things over the episodes but yeah full spectrum CBD includes several different compounds found in the cannabis plant including terpenes flavonoids and THC the amount of THC can vary but federally legal CBD products will always have less than 0.3 percent because they don't want us to actually get something that helps fully just to tease us. Uh, The term CBD oil and CBD tincture are often used interchangeably. They describe two different products. CBD oil is made via an extraction process that separates CBD from the plant matter. It's then diffused into a carrier carrier oil. CBD tinctures, on the other hand, have an alcohol base. Uh, But yeah, be careful out there. Watch what you get. Try different things, but it can get costly if you're just testing out stuff. So there are a lot of nice shops that will let you try stuff indoors, but just be careful. There are a lot of scam artists out there. So I'm not I'm not sold on this Delta 8 and Delta 10 shit yet. It makes me feel weird. It tastes like shit. And you're not getting much of an effect from it. Uh, some things you can do to ease up on overeating. Make an effort to turn off or put away potential distractions like phones, computers, and magazines. Concentrating on your meal during mealtime can help prevent overeating. I feel I eat less when I am working on my computer and stuff. Identify the unhealthy foods that trigger overeating. Keep them out of home or far out of sight and make healthy options easily accessible instead. Eating patterns that are too restrictive may drive binges. The key to, to a sustainable, healthy diet is to concentrate on eating whole, unprocessed foods most of the time while allowing a treat here and there. Use the volumetrics method of eating. Fill up on healthy, low calorie, high fiber foods to help promote feeling full. Instead of eating food straight from the package, portion it into a dish. 
Try measuring out appropriate serving sizes to help train your eye to identify how much food is recommended as an average portion. Stress can lead to overeating, so reducing the stress in your everyday life is one important step to reduce overeating. Add fiber-rich foods to your diet to keep your body feeling satisfied longer. Studies show this may help reduce the urge to overeat. Skipping meals may cause you to eat more later in the day. Instead, focus on keeping your body feeling satisfied by eating balanced meals made with whole foods. I um, I disagree with that because I still agree fully with intermittent fasting. At least a simple 16-8, which is 16 hours a day you don't eat. Just drink water, maybe black coffee or, or tea without additives. Uh, and then eight hours a day is your eating period. That's not too much to ask for. And then if you want to, if you like what's happening and what you're doing, you can add, change it up. Maybe go to 18.6 or 24. 20 hours without food, 4 hours with, and you tighten it up. You can always do a couple day fast if you want. Stuff like that. Just listen to your body, see how it goes, and work with it. Studies have shown that tracking your food intake may help you lose weight. It'll also help you become more aware of your habits. With whom you choose to eat may majorly impact your food choices. Try to dine with people who also want to eat healthy meals in moderate portions. Eating protein-rich foods may help stave off hunger and cravings. Starting the day with a high-protein breakfast can also help fight hunger later in the day. Eat foods that help keep blood sugar levels constant. High-glycemic foods like candy and white bread may Make sugar, blood sugar spike, then drop, which may lead to overeating. Instead, choose foods like beans, oats, and brown rice. Focus on eating more slowly. Chewing your food may help you recognize signs of fullness. Watch your alcohol intake. Plan ahead. Replace sugary beverages with water. Check in with yourself, see how you're doing eating-wise, ditch the bad diets, break old habits, eat healthy fats, keep your goals in mind, get help if needed, talk to a doctor, practice mindful eating, and all those things can help you out in the long run to help with overeating issues, but we're running out of time, so be good to yourself, be good to everybody else, get shed monster, keep falling under the color of MS, tell friends, and we'll get back to you again soon. Bye.